Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, guys. How are you today? Hi, Ryan. Hi, Mario. How are you? Great, great. Thanks. How are we enjoying this nice, windy, rainy day we have? I'm right in Easton, so I'm not too far from you. Yeah, this weather has been unbelievable, actually. Yeah. Of everything else, we don't even have sunny days. <laughs> no, no, we'll get there. It's coming. Um, yeah. I appreciate you joining me today, and I'll try to make it as as quick as I can for you, so I don't take up too much of your time. It's my pleasure. Thank you. So um, I'm just going to roll right into it. You announced that you're you're writing your memoirs um, a week or two ago. Uh, has it been? What's it been like? Just reflecting back on on so many memories that you've had over the years. It's actually daunting, you know, to, to try to go into a lot of details early on. Um, I, uh, you know, but it takes, um, takes someone to just to prime uh, everything out of your brain, I guess, uh, you know, to uh, some things that uh, I can go back to some of the books that um, I was part of and written, uh, but that's not, those are primarily talking about just the racing itself, you know, so now this is going into the private life, but all of it sort of uh, shakes up, uh, you know, my brain a little bit. And, uh, and then I surprised myself how much I actually remember, quite honestly. Um, and uh, again, it's, um, those were uh, vivid moments because uh, so much, you know, it was so meaningful to be able to uh, carry through times when uh, uh, there were a lot of uncertainties for me career-wise. Deanne and I had a family early on, you know, we were, I was 21, she was 19, you know, and and, and so we had a child immediately, uh, almost about a year later or something. And then uh, we had two kids, you know, within a couple of years. So she had that to deal with, and I was traveling a lot, you know, early on. So, but like I said, um, but uh, this brings it all back. And, and uh, I think at the end of the day, uh, I have an incredible author, you know, that, um, that is doing this for, for me, um, David Fisher. Uh, and uh, and he, he just has a way of just really... Uh, getting what I need out, what we need out of me. Um, and so it's all about putting things in perspective, but uh, I welcome the opportunity. And, and quite honest, if there's any positive out of this pandemic, it's, it's that. <laughs> otherwise I would have never undertaken, uh, you know, this project, quite honestly. Um, 
we already devoted, uh, you know, uh, many, many hours. So uh, by the time uh, we're set free, you know, to go in the world, uh, I think we'll have quite a bit done. And then, uh, but it's going to take a, a good part of a, probably a year before we even uh, start putting everything together. Wow. Uh, when, when you first became or, or wanted to become a race car driver, um, what did your parents think of, of that idea? Because now you're coming from Italy. I, I know Italian parents. Well, uh, you know, I, I'll concentrate on my dad. My dad actually uh, didn't want to know. I mean, he wouldn't have uh, approved of anything. Uh, uh, we arrived uh, here in Nazareth uh, in 1955. And uh, two years later, uh, my brother Alvin and four other buddies, uh, we started building uh, this stock car to, uh, with the idea to race it by the time we would be 21 because it was legal to race professionally at, only at age 21. Well, Lord and behold, you know, we finished the car in two years and it was ready to be raced uh, in 1959, and we were only 19. And I tell the story, you know, so many times. But uh, uh, we befriended uh, through. I used to we used to hang out. Uh, my uh, uncle Louis gas station. He had a Sunoco station at the end of town, and uh, and we befriended this uh, this gentleman by the name of Les Young. He was the editor of the Nazareth Key, the newspaper, and uh, so we said Les. Uh, can you do something with the with with the birth date on our license? You know, so all of a sudden we're two years older, and so he did that, and uh, that's how our careers, my career, Aldo's career, started at age 19, March 25th, 1959, and um, you know, fortunately, I never looked back. Aldo was not as lucky as I was, of course. You know, but uh, that's when it all started. And going back to your question about our parents, we didn't dare tell my dad because he would have stopped it. And the only actually um, defense that we had, the buffer, was the language barrier. You know, he, um, he did not understand. Even when we started winning, which we did, actually Aldo uh, won the very first race that we entered and I won the following weekend. Um, and, you know, it was in the local papers and things. And, uh, and you know, this boss uh, at work would say, hey, Gigi, uh, you know, your kids are doing well and all that. So he, he had no idea what the guy was saying. So and that was the cover that we had. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, my dad actually never found out that we were racing until the very last race of the season, which was in Hatfield, Pennsylvania. It was an invitational. And Aldo and I were both racing, but he was racing our car, I was racing for somebody else. And, uh, and Aldo got hurt, you know, uh, uh, hurt badly, in fact, because they gave him his last rites uh, that night at the hospital. And, um, and he was down, you know, in a coma for several weeks. Uh, but my dad, that's how he found out that we were racing, you know, so, and when, when, Aldo finally woke up. He says, uh, first thing he said, he said, uh, I'm glad you were the one to face the old man. <laughs> <laughs> so I knew we had him back and uh, you know, he was thinking straight. But um, anyway, so that's, uh, that's what it was with my dad. But, uh, you know, it, it took a while for him to kind of get it, 
wrap his arms around it. But um, he finally became a big fan, of course. Did he just expect you to, to, you know, get up every day and go to a regular normal job? And Certainly, you know, you have to realize, Ryan, that uh, in, in those periods, uh, just even say in Italy, uh, we, Aldo and I were just all in, you know, just uh, uh, for, as far as racing is concerned, the, the passion started in Italy still before we came over. And, um, you know, with Ferrari, Maserati, Alfa Romeo being at the forefront of Formula One, current world champion, at, you know, in the early 50s where, where you know, was uh, Alberto Ascari um, and uh, my idol, absolute idol. And uh, just uh, uh, the, the year before we, uh, we came to the States, uh, no, no, uh, about a month before I came to the States, he was killed. He was killed, uh, you know, during a practice run in Monza. And then we were on a boat on the way over in the Conte Bianca Mano. It was nine nine day journey. And uh, and that was uh, during the time in the middle of, Mar of June. That's when the 24 hour of Le Mans is running. And they had that huge accident where 85 people were killed when the car flew up in the grandstands. And um, and so I get all this terrible news. So uh, as a dad, when we talked about racing, I said, you kids are crazy. You know, it's just, uh, you know, it makes no sense. So uh, the only thing that he knew about racing was the negative side, you know. So uh, he certainly did not understand why we had so much passion for it. And as a dad, he was protecting us, you know, in his own way. Um, but uh, we obviously didn't see it the same way. <laughs> yeah. You know, we, we had, a, I had a pursuit, I, you know, I never had a plan B. I always keep saying that because that's a fact, you know, it's uh, many hurdles and uh, most of the time just seemed like the impossible dream to pursue. But um, again, uh, I just never allowed anything to stand in the way, even my own father, you know, and, um, and again, it all paid off because uh, the mindset was there and uh, I was going to pursue it regardless. Uh, and having that faith, you know, it's all about hard work and commitment. Uh, that's really what it was all about from my career standpoint. Is that what you would recommend to anybody who has, has a dream is don't have that plan B, don't have a backup plan if you, if you fail? Well, that's a personal thing. But uh, I get asked that by uh, some uh, young individuals that uh, want to have some advice. My advice is, if follow your dreams. And uh, if you really believe, if you really have the passion for what you want to pursue, I said, just, it's not always gonna be a bed of roses because anything worthwhile is always gonna take the sacrifice. But uh, if you really believe in something, it should not really even feel like a sacrifice. You're working towards something that will give you an ultimate reward. And that's the way it was with me. So I said, it, it, but it, you must have that, you have to possess that love and, um, and passion to pursue something, to be able to have this type of commitment. And, um, you know, I always say, you know, it's very convenient to be mediocre, you know, because you don't have to do a lot. But if you want to be a few notches above that, you work hard. And uh, quite honestly, I think uh, the rewards usually um, uh, will be worthwhile. Uh, the, the effort that you put into it. Uh, that's the way I always see that, you know, what? my entire life, I uh, always look forward to going to work. You know, how many people can say that? 
you know, I love my work. I love it today, you know, and uh, uh, stay with me. Uh, and how lucky, how fortunate am I to have had that for me and to give me that much uh, back, if you will. You came right from, from Italy to right to Nazareth. So uh, for people who don't know, Nazareth is in the Lehigh Valley. Um, I'm actually probably 10 minutes from Mario. Unfortunately, we can't talk together because of everything going on. And you've been all across the world. You could go and live anywhere that you want. And you're, you're still in Nazareth. Why, why did you choose to, to stay in Nazareth? Well, uh, we didn't choose to come to Nazareth, but I chose to stay, as you say, because uh, uh, when we came over, uh, we had an uncle on my mother's side who uh, had to, uh, in, order, in order for us to uh, obtain visas, um, uh, we, we had to have someone here that would guarantee that we would have a place to stay at least. You know, so basically there was a very strict quota and my dad applied for visas. It took three years to, to get the visas to come to the States, actually. My dad almost had forgotten about it. So anyway, the long and short is we came to Nazareth. And, um, you know, obviously, uh, we made a life here. We were just uh, teenagers, of course. So I have a sister, an older sister. Uh, and um, uh, raised a family here. And um, my... Uh, Wife Deanne uh, was local. She was born in Allentown, and uh, but uh, they lived right here in Nazareth. And um, you know, uh, I had even some pressures, you know, to go and and then maybe live even either the Midwest or even the West because most of the teams that I was driving for in the mid '60s were uh, uh, located. Uh, one was in Phoenix, and then another one later on was in L.A., uh, Long Beach, and. Uh, Anyway, but I always resisted that because uh, I had other plans in my life to do some, uh, you know, international uh, racing. And, uh, and I didn't want to be on the West Coast to travel to Europe. Uh, uh, this was much more convenient. But uh, the bottom line is um, I'm totally happy with uh, this being my base, my home. It will be for the rest of my life. I've um, been fortunate that we have a beautiful place up in uh, uh, I'd say the Poconos, north of the Poconos, up uh, near Honesdale. We have a lake that I bought back in 68 and beautiful area. We spend time summer, winter. We have a place in Florida so, and a place in California. So we, but this is my base and, um, and I'm totally happy. Uh, my sister migrated to, um, to Florida, you know, with her husband. Her husband was a DJ, you know, for uh, one of the uh, stations right in, in Easton. And, um, and, but anyway, they, and my brother in 1964, uh, uh, went, you know, was, uh, spending some time in the Midwest and then all of a sudden he moved the family there. So he's become a Hoosier, you know, in Indiana and, um, and my son, Michael in 2006, uh, you know, since he had a team in Indianapolis, uh, you know, and became an owner, um, uh, Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. 
From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. IndyCar owner, he uh, felt that he was compelled to move there, so he moved on. And uh, but fortunately, uh, my grandson Marco uh, is bought his house, so he's my noisy neighbor. And uh, and my my daughter Barbie, uh, she uh, she was she spent a lot of her time, uh, you know, near uh, you know in the early part of our professional side uh, on the west coast, uh, you know, between. Um, uh, you know, Arizona and then uh, LA and now she's back. She's back here and uh, she married a wonderful, you know, wonderful family, the Curtos, Giuseppe Curto in Eastern, they have actually uh, the Curto Toys Factory. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, and we're here happy, you know, to be in this area. Um, I'm so fortunate to have Barbie Nick, you know, so close to me. Uh, the daughter that uh, since, uh, you know, my wife passed uh, uh, about a year and a half ago. And, uh, you know, it's uh, it's been difficult. But uh, to have that uh, close family support for me has meant everything. And I have that. So, you know, why Nazareth? Because I love it. Awesome. Um now you you said your dad wasn't too thrilled when you when you wanted to become a race car driver because he only heard about the bad things. Um, you were in racing, so you've seen good. You see some bad. Were you were you worried when your when your family got involved with racing as well, or proud, well, or both? Yeah, Ryan. I mean, in so many ways, it can be a double-edged sword. You know, like uh, there's a lot of pride. Uh, you know, what's more proud than to have uh, 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 your own uh, offspring just follow in your footsteps? You know, like my two sons, for instance, uh, and even Ronaldo, my from brother's side, you know, the same thing. Um, and we all know the danger. I think it's, uh, uh, I don't know how you can explain it, but, you know, you try to, so many ways <clears throat> early on the kids, when uh, I put them in go-karts, you know, and I said, okay, have at it, see what you like. And, uh, and because sooner or later, you know, they've been exposed to this type of uh, environment. So you would assume that sooner or later, something has got to be crawling you know, in their thoughts, you know, that maybe I should do that. So you provide that, provide them with go-karts and, uh, and then they started racing. And uh, then I, I tried to, I think I made it clear to them, uh, don't think you have to do this, pursue this later on in your life just because uh, I'm doing it or because you might think that I want you to do it. You have to uh, hope you want to do it yourself. And, um, Whatever you do, do it for yourself. And, um, 
and I hope I made that clear enough, you know, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, Michael immediately, uh, he took to it. And then Jeff, you know, Jeff was not as fortunate like my brother wasn't, you know, for some reason, you know, he um, seemed like when he drove, there was always a cloud, you know, black cloud on top of, on top that uh, he was at the wrong place at the wrong time. But uh, uh, Michael was amazing. You know, he, uh, he just, uh, he was very fortunate like me and like a laser, just a lot of good things were happening. His career was brilliant. And, uh, and you can see as um, overall, you know, when everything shakes down between uh, my brother Aldo and myself, there, there are eight of us. There were, there, uh, you know, with, with the third generation drivers. So wow. there are eight of us, four on each side, you know, that uh, are involved in, a, in the sport. So. As you can see, it's been our life, uh, you know, in, in, in probably many ways that you can possibly put it. So, um, um, again, uh, the sport um, uh, has created for us, uh, you know, what everything, any, anything that we could dream about. Um, it's, I love football and soccer and sports. So, you know, you can see those guys are training and lifting weights and sprinting. Um, but I mean, race car drivers are, are certainly athletes. Could you, could you explain to us, I mean, you just don't wake up and hop in the car. I mean, there's, it's, you have need to a lot of, have a lot of endurance and what else goes into the training for, or went into your training when you were racing? Well, I mean, if you're talking about the physical training, um, yes. I have to explain a lot of people say, well, you know, I just drove to San see Auntie and Mammy there for 500 miles and I, I wasn't tired at the end, you know. So uh, people don't realize when uh, you have to really extract 100% of that machine. Just, I mean, uh, just picture yourself leaving your driveway and just being flat on the floor, wherever you're going, going flat, flat, you know, to go to your pharmacy. You know, just the amount of attention you have to pay to everything and, and uh, just hand, manhandling that car. When you're in a race car, you're 10 tenths. And uh, all you have to do is go to some of these uh, go-kart facilities where you can go yourself and, uh, and get yourself, buy yourself 10 laps or whatever. And uh, start racing and you'll see, you know, just how much energy physically you're putting into the driving. Uh, I have a driving school, driving experience that uh, you can go out there by yourself and the, the trainer actually will be will communicate with you via radio. And, uh, and of course, you know, we have controls of that. But a lot of people, they're out there, they do like five laps or eight laps. And they come in and they're huffing and puffing. And they say, man, I didn't realize. And they're not even, they're not even going 50% what that car is capable you know so um i've uh there's a misnomer about it because our sport is a very non-participant sport you know it's not that you pick up a baseball bat and go out and then start you know just uh you know swinging away or or a set of golf clubs or uh, even a basketball or whatever you know in, in sports like you know the uh, football is very violent you know in so many ways as you know it's uh body contact or whatever, but uh, uh, but you can participate, you can have an idea. But in racing, you know, many opportunities you have to actually get in a race car, that's what I'm saying. So uh, the outsiders, they said, what the, it's got, it can't be a big deal. You know, I've never been that tired driving a car, even if you have a sports car, you know, it's, oh, you know, it's no big deal. But you have to, 
so uh, coming down to that, I, I guarantee all the, the race drivers have a very strict curriculum, you know, as far as uh, uh, the, the training, physical training, and so on and so forth. And depends how many races you do, you know, if, uh, you know, when, uh, when I was, you know, coming through the ranks, I was doing up to 50 races a year. So did I need to be in the gym, you know, and training between races? Hell no, I, did, I needed to rest, you know. So again, I was exercising everything I needed to be exercising throughout. And that's pretty much what happened, you know, in my career. But if the driver, if they don't have a really intense schedule, then obviously they need to train in between. Uh, especially now, you know, with this, uh, uh, obviously, uh, you know, we're all hunkered in and, and the, the season will break out any, any moment. These guys are in the gym every single day, you know, and they have to do then cardios, they do running, they do, I know what, you know, my grandson Marco is doing. I mean, very intense because they don't want to be surprised all of a sudden in the race car, you fall out of the seat, you know? So, um, Ryan, I mean, there've been races where, I mean, I used every ounce of uh, what I had in my body to be able to come through and not give up, you know, performance because uh, I wasn't capable physically. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm not big in, in, in stature. And I mean, in my physical size is not big, but uh, I've already lost uh, some on a three-day weekend, uh, especially a long distance, up to eight pounds. You know, and uh, you know, obviously in fluids, but uh, uh, and obviously I didn't do in my job in, in trying to really replenish myself beforehand. But uh, but that was the case, and to to lose that much body weight in fluids, you got to do some work. You know, you got to dig a lot of ditches. You know, and uh, so. Again, you know, I laugh at a lot of people who say, well, race drivers are not athletes in any way. Well, uh, you think golfers are athletes? You know what I mean? So um, that, that's the thing. We all have our thing. We all have to be proficient in something. But uh, it's a heat factor in a race car that a lot of people don't realize. I already had um, uh, some heat tapes, you know, in my cockpit just to show some of the press you know, what the temperatures are inside the wall of a race car in the cockpit. And I've shown as much as 220 degrees in certain parts where it's close to the legs and so on and so forth on the sides, where it's close to the back of the engine. But the average is about 150, 160, you know. So again, you're in a very hot environment and yet you have to endure for you know whatever it is one and a half two hours you know there are no breaks basically you know you can't go on the sideline and rest you know so again it's a it's it's a wonderful sport and it's challenging in so many ways and then there's the mental side you know the mental side because of uh, the speed uh, you know uh, the, the speed of uh, effect is such that uh, you cannot afford to uh, to relax mentally because uh, the slightest mistake, you know, is obviously pronounced because of the speed. So small mistake is a big mistake and that can be very costly in every way. Uh, so you got the mental aspect of it that, um, you know, you better pay attention to. Uh, so again, well, that's the challenge. That's the challenge that, that we all embrace. 
So, so uh, physically, it's very tough, and mentally, you're you're all keyed up at the race. How long after the race is over does it take you to recover, both mentally well, and physically? Yeah, Ryan, that depends. It depends on a lot of things. Depends on the uh, uh, ambient temperature of the day. Depends how hard the race was. It depends uh, how how good or how bad your car handled. There are times when you have to really, really, when the car is, is not working, you know, as balanced as you like it to be, you almost feel like you have to carry it. You know, you're really uh, much more, uh, you're not as relaxed, if you will, and uh, you're on top of it. You're, you're wasting a lot of energy. So a lot depends. You know, there's some races where, you know, good races where I won, like flag to flag, where I felt pretty good, you know, at the end because everything was working for me. And uh, so they're all different, but you have to prepare for the worst hmm. every time. And um, again, you know, some are better than others for sure. Uh, like anyone will always tell you in any sport. But, uh, uh, but again, you just better prepare for the worst because the, the worst thing I would uh, ever have in my life to look at myself the day after a race in the mirror and say, you know what, you fell out of the seat, you know. Uh, you probably could have done better if you were in better shape. I never wanted to face that day. Uh, that's a matter of pride uh, because I would be the only one to know. No one else. I could use any excuse, but I would be the only one to know the truth. And, uh, and again, I never wanted to face that face the next day because I would have slapped it. I would have in the mirror. <laughs> I have one more question for you, and I, I really appreciate your time, definitely. If we didn't have this, uh, the coronavirus, and we all, we all weren't locked in our houses, um, what is the perfect day for you when, after you wake up? Well, uh, I, I look forward to activity, things, uh, opportunities that I have, and the commitments that I have. Uh, besides having businesses that uh, uh, we have, uh, you know, disabled people, uh, you know, dealing with and controlling. I have commitments with different companies and I do a lot of travel, uh, you know, and promotions and so forth. That's really what uh, uh, my life is these days. And of course, uh, I am part of, I, I follow all the races. Uh, I go to the races, uh, almost all of them, uh, the IndyCar races, I go to one race, the IndyCar races, I drive now, I drive the two-seater race car and, uh, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a Honda program that I've been involved with for, for a long time. And um, all these things just, you know, keep me flat out. And that's the way I like it. Um, you know, I don't think uh, people say you're retired. Uh, are you going to retire? No. I think as soon as I retire, they better put me in the box. You know, <laughs> I'll just keep working because that's what I enjoy. That's what I love. Nice. I appreciate it, Mario. My hopefully, hopefully we're out of this. We can get out of the house soon. That's my, that's yeah, our goal for everyone. We're ready. We're ready. Chumping at the bit. <laughs> I appreciate it. Have a great day again. Thank thanks. You. Thank you. My pleasure. Hey everybody. Thanks for listening to my podcast. If you're looking for social media content for your contracting business, painting contractors, carpenters, electricians, any type of contractor, please check us out on Instagram at Amato Media or check us out on LinkedIn. We can definitely help you all out. So have a great day.